each of us with three essential parts, I find. There's our physical body, the things we can touch and feel and smell. There's our mind. And there's our spirit or our soul. Different theologians and scholars want to differentiate spirit and soul. But for this purpose, for this message, spirit, I'll refer to as one thing. So we're made up of three things, mind, body, and spirit. We talk about the mind and the health of the mind. We talk about mental health. We want to be healthy in our mind. Mentally, we want to be healthy. Physically, we want to be healthy. That is our body. And thirdly, spiritually, we want to be healthy. And I think for the healthy, thriving person, all three of those are taken care of well. But I think spiritual health, according to the Bible, is the most important. And it informs the rest. When we're healthy spiritually, it informs our mental health and our physical health. For instance, in a verse in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So in 1 Timothy, he's saying, it's, it's good to be physically fit and active, but that's not the only thing that matters. And it's good to be physically healthy. I think it's good stewardship of our bodies to be healthy. But in 1 Timothy it says, but training for godliness is much better because it's beneficial in this life and the life to come. Another verse in uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9 it talks about the strength of our faith. And Isaiah writes, if you're not firm in your faith, If you're not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. If your faith is not doing well, and I've seen this experientially, counseling people, talking with people, when their faith is wavering, almost the rest of their life will be as well. There's a direct correlation to our spiritual health and to the health of everything else that we do in our parenting, as husbands and wives, as single people, as divorced or widowed people. Young, old, our faith, if it is firm, informs the rest of our life. So the Bible is saying our spiritual health is very important. It's in fact the most important. But for many, our spiritual health is neglected. And I'm finding more and more Christians today are not spiritually healthy these days. And there could be a whole host of reasons. But time and time again, talking to people who've been in the church for a long time, who just started off in the church recently, are not well spiritually. It's as if our check engine light for our spirit has turned on and we don't even realize it. So how do we make sure that we're spiritually healthy and that we're spiritually strong? I believe Paul's prayer In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses verses 14 to 21, will inform this. It will help us grow strong spiritually. And Paul, he's writing from jail to the church that he started in the city of Ephesus. 
So chapter 3 of Ephesians, starting in verse 14. Paul says this. When I think of all this, and he's referring to what he just wrote, that everyone is included in the promises of God by faith. There's no longer two separate races, not Jew and Gentile, but one new race, the Christian. And because of Christ on the cross, he's made that possible. So Paul's thinking, when I think of all of this, when I think of how God through Christ has reconciled people, men, women, children from many different races, he says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So he's been thinking of this amazing truth that Christ has has knocked down the wall of hostility and brought these people together. He says he falls to his knees. And so at that time, it wasn't typical for a Jewish person to pray on their knees. If any of you ever have been to Jerusalem or just Google Jerusalem, there's this wall they call the Wailing Wall. And people will travel many distances and go to this wall and they would pray. But they always pray standing. And they would kind of rock back and forth and they would say prayers. But it was never typical to lean or sorry, to kneel. And so kneeling here, it's indicating a very extraordinary event. A very unusual passion. I remember being in the Vancouver airport a few years ago. And I was just walking down one of the terminals. And a lady received a phone call. And immediately she fell to her knees weeping. Weeping in sorrow. I didn't know what was on the other side. But to fall on your knees. To, to have your bones removed and the carpet ripped out from under you. You fall. But Paul, on the flip side, is falling because he's rejoicing because something so amazing has happened. And he fell to his knees. This is something that Jesus did as well. On the day before he was to be crucified, he was in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be murdered on the cross. And he knew it. And and the Bible says in Mark chapter 14 that he fell to the ground in great distress, and he prayed to his father. Paul knelt earlier in Acts chapter 20 when he was saying goodbye to the church of Ephesians after three years of staying with them. He, he prayed with the elders of Ephesus. This is in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 36. It says he knelt and he prayed with them. This section that we're reading in verses 14 to 21 is a prayer. It is a very passionate prayer that Paul gives that we would have spirit-given, spirit-empowered strength in our inner being. And this is through God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's not on our own efforts. It's not through reading self-help books. It's not from pulling up our own bootstraps and just being more disciplined. It is through the Holy Spirit working and accomplishing good things Through us. It is the spirit that empowers us. And for those of us who believe. If you believe in Jesus. 
The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. The same spirit lives in all of us. There's not more of the spirit in a pastor or in a church leader or a missionary. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 55 years or 55 seconds. That same spirit lives in you. One pastor says, we don't have this little nine volt battery of spiritual power inside of us. We have an entire nuclear power plant of spiritual power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me and lives in those who have placed their faith in Jesus. We need to stop and comprehend that for a second. When we feel like we're too powerless to overcome anything and the world is swirling around and we don't know what to do. Paul is saying, you have a nuclear power plant within you, guiding you, leading you. That's hopeful when we don't know what to say, when we don't know how to pray, when we don't know what to do. We ask the Spirit to guide us. Paul wants us to be empowered by the Spirit. But empowered to do what? What's this empowerment for? It's a power to understand something very specific. Paul wants us empowered, and this is why he prays, that you would be empowered by the Spirit to know something very specific. He goes on, verse 17, to say this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, this is the thing that you should understand through empowerment of the Spirit. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So Paul's praying that we have this, this strength in our inner being by the Spirit. So then verse 16, to do what? To understand the incomprehensible love of Christ. That you would be filled with the Spirit to understand the incomprehensible love of Christ. That is the highest goal for us that is the highest goal to know the immeasurable love of god through christ paul is asking god dear god give the ephesian believers inner strength and encouragement to better understand your immeasurable love because understanding god's love informs the rest of our lives he goes on to say in verse 19 then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Understanding God's love will give us the spiritual strength to live for God in a hostile world. So we can be all that God intends us to be as individuals and as the church together. We will not be spiritually healthy until God's love is planted in our hearts. Do you know the love of the Father? 
Does that motivate you to live today? Because we will not treat our neighbors with mercy until we know Christ's mercy toward us. We do not know anything about Christianity until we know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding and knowledge. If we have this nuclear power plant, if Christ's spirit dwells within us, we should anticipate and we should ask for God to overcome big sins in our lives, to change bad habits, and to make us spiritually strong to follow after Christ. And we might be saying, wow, this sounds so lofty, but I don't, I don't, I'm not even there. I, I have a sick loved one. I have young children. I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. You want me to be strong in Christ? I don't know how to do that. This is how God made me, we would say. We can't use that as an excuse. It's very popular within the church world to use personality tests. Well, this is just how I am. Look at this test I took. And I've taken lots of those tests. But we can almost use them in saying, this is how I am, and it determines your future. That personality test does not determine your future. Christ does. And knowing his love guides us in all things. And so a Christian author, writer, and a pastor, his name is Dr. Barnhouse. He pointed out that love is central to all the fruits of the Spirit that we should exhibit. We read about the fruits of the Spirit in a book called Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22. And about love, Dr. Barnhouse says this, Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. Self-control is love holding the reins. Isn't that so beautiful? Dr. Barnhouse is saying, there's no fruits of the Spirit without love. To know the love of the Father, to know the love of Christ, that's what we are to demonstrate. And we must be rooted and founded in God's in comprehensible love. Paul's prayer is for the whole church to know the full dimensions and every facet of this beautiful diamond that we call the surpassing love of Christ. That's my prayer for my own heart. That's my prayer for my children, that they would know him and not just know him here but to know him through experience in their heart, to know the love of the Father. That's my prayer for you, that you would know the love of Christ. In Paul's prayer, it ends with something called the doxology. And a doxology is essentially a fancy word for an extended praise to God. And so he's praying that he would know, that you would know God's amazing love. And he ends with this. In verses 20 to 21, Paul says, Now all glory to God, who is able 
through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This verse, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 20, is remarkable and probably one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. Just read it again. Listen. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power, his power, not ours, at work within us. He is working within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or or think. Do we think too small sometimes? I know I do. I just want to make it through today. God, you couldn't possibly, possibly save people in Ross River. Or in Watson Lake. You couldn't possibly help people overcome their addictions. Yes, Paul is saying. He can accomplish infinitely more than that. And not that those aren't amazing things. He's saying more than what what we could ever ask or think. That's an amazing God. That's the God we serve. And that's the God we are inviting people to know. This amazing God. Glory to him in the church, Paul says in verse 21. And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He's working through us, through the church. Through the local church. Through fallen, broken people like us. He works through us according to his power at work within us. One person described the church this way. The church, united to Christ forever, broadcasts God's glory in its very existence as a multi-ethnic community reconciled to God and one another. I'm going to read that again. The church, united to Christ forever, broadcast God's glory in its very existence as a multi-ethnic community reconciled to God and one another. That is a picture of the church. We are redeemed people forgiven by Christ working together amidst our differences for his glory. Here in the Yukon and around the world, sending his word and his goodness and his love to places that do not have a written language, to the most unreached people groups in all the world, that's what the church is together forever with Christ broadcasting his glory. It's unbelievable. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, may we strive together as the church. May we strive to understand God's incomprehensible love together so we can resist the evil one, the devil so that we can flee from sin, so that we can pursue characters that mimic Christ, that we would live gospel-centered lives, and that we would take the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Maybe some of us, maybe all of us, including myself, we need to just pause and do a spiritual health check. Whenever I get the oil changed in my car, I used to do it, and now I have children, and I got real lazy. So when I take it to one of the oil-changing places, they do a 
I don't know, a 60-point check and look at your brakes, your windshield wiper, and all these things. I think we need to do that. We need to sit down. We just need to do an inventory of our lives. The check engine light is on. And quite frankly, we'll always be on until Christ returns. So let's do that individually. Let's go before God and ask, where, where does your love need to come into that I would change? Maybe we need to go to a trusted friend. Or maybe even a strange in the church. Sit down. Talk about, pray about the amazing goodness of God. And let's hold one another accountable. Maybe you need to talk to some of the Northern Collective elders. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. But we would love to see us together growing in faith. Growing in knowledge of the Savior. Let's do a spiritual health check. Let's see our community transformed by the gospel. Doing what God does. Things that are infinitely greater than what we could ever think or ask. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, please help me, please help us to know your love, not just intellectually. Who are we that you would die on the cross for us, that you would forgive us, and that you would choose to live inside of us and send your spirit. Father, help us to bring to mind friends and family members who don't know you and give us wisdom in how we can share of your amazing love to them that they would see him and know him. I pray for my young nephew right now who's upstairs. He doesn't know you. It's his first time ever being in church. Would even at this young age you recognize the joy that is found in Christ? Would you save him and add to your kingdom that we would worship together? We pray for your glory, Father, not our own. We pray for your strength and not our own, that we would be healthy and that when the world is hurting, we would provide a comfort and a peace that surpasses all understanding and it's because we know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.